Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Psalm 89, 90, and 91. We're introduced to some new psalmist today. Our first psalm is Psalm 89. It is authored by a man named Ethan. And uh We really don't know a a ton about Ethan, but he's written for us a beautiful psalm and a very prophetic psalm and a very long psalm. And so I'm going to try to dive right into it. Um, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones? And awesome above all who are around him, you know. And this is just this is just an amazing psalm that I would I would invite you to read with Jesus near to your mind because um, Ethan would have lived a, a life after David, and he was very familiar with the promises given by God to David's lineage. Now, he's not the only one that writes this way. Several. Several people wrote this way concerning the coming Messiah. And several times it was well known and prophesied that it would come from David's line. But the way in which they speak of this coming Messiah, this king whose reign would never end, you know, it, 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 it would have been mysterious to have waited for this coming Messiah because what is, what is man, right? How long could a man's reign really be? And so God had an ultimate plan to bring forth the Son of God from David's own lineage, yet conceived by the Holy Spirit and uh, announcing the reign uh, that would never end through Jesus out of David's lineage. And so when we read of this, you know, it's amazing because we know that this has come to pass. And um, it changed the entire world when Jesus came. And... um, you know, uh, we were we were even up. My wife and I were up late last night talking about you know something theological as we often do, and we were just talking about how how crazy it is that even the way in which we we count the years. You know, this is the year that we're in right now, 2022. Well, what does that mean? It's been 2022 years since what the world began. No. You know, no one, no one believes that, you know, not even the evolutionists that claim we've been here for millions of years, 
yet they are calling this year the year 2022. We don't believe that it's been 2022 years since the world's been created because we have over 4,000 years of recorded history in the Bible. Okay, so why do we get this 2022? Well, because the world completely changed roughly around 2022 to 2028 years ago. And Jesus was born. And it literally even changed the way that we, we, we keep time. You know, I don't know anyone that's an unbeliever that's not calling this the year 2022. They don't even realize that they're pronouncing that it's been 2022 years since everything changed because the Messiah came. Isn't that just remarkable? It, it was just a transformation of time. And we count the years that came before Christ, right? B.C., as we were anxiously, as all of creation was anxiously awaiting the coming of the Messiah. And then we count the years after, after the, the year of the Lord. We count A.D., right, which is a Latin phrase, but we count, we count the years afterwards. You know, it's just amazing. And so when, we, when you read this psalm, just think of it and understand that Jesus had not yet come. But there was a yearning in the heart of, of God's people that this Messiah and this king would come and establish the throne forever. And, you know, I also want to bring some light to the fact that, you know, some of this psalm is a bit, he's a bit downtrodden. And we're, we're, we're hey, we're 89 psalms in. We're kind of used to reading a psalmist be sort of downtrodden, right? But I want to bring a light to a new, a newness of, of thought as we're considering the the uh, disposition of the psalmist is um, it reminds me of Job. We went through Job a few months ago, and remember how Job would cry out so often. He would say, he, not, "Not not he wouldn't complain about his circumstance. He wouldn't necessarily complain that he had lost his livestock and his children." And you know what? What did he keep saying? He kept saying, "Oh, if only there was a mediator." between me and God, that someone could plead my case, Job's greatest heart cry was that Jesus had not yet come. He didn't know that, but that's what he was expressing. You know, so often of the times as we read these Psalms where, you know, they're just saying things like, Oh Lord, how long will you hide yourself? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. Who can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Jesus. <laughs> you know, there was a yearning in them for the Messiah that we now have and we now know. And so we, we, don't, we will not actually ever, the only way that we will know the yearning and the sorrow of men like Ethan is that is before Christ, B.C., right? <laughs> because once we have Jesus, then we never really have a reason to ever sorrow and yearn like this again because we've been giving the fullness of God without measure because of Jesus dying on the cross and releasing of His Holy Spirit to us. And so we really should not ever even, um, you know, feel the way that men like Ethan or Asaph or the sons of Korah felt because they were living in a time when the kingdom had not yet come, you know? And so we're not living in that time anymore. And so I just wanted to point that out. I was just thinking about that as I was reading, as I was reading these Psalms as 
we just must remember that we live in, in, a, in, a, in an amazing time because it's been 2,000 plus years since everything changed. We know Jesus is coming back soon, very soon. But how amazing is it that the throne has been established and I now have access to God. And, and I have access to uh, the power that can deliver my soul from Sheol. Meaning when I die, I, I know that I'm going to be with Jesus where he is in heaven. Okay, now Psalms 90, 90, 91 are actually one psalm. We, we split them in our, in our Bible, but there's not, there's not really a split. Um, but, there, you know, because it's really, uh, these are psalms by Moses, which is pretty cool um, that Moses got a couple of psalms in here. But uh, this is really one psalm, and man, these are some of the best psalms, really, in the whole book. Um, psalm 91 is a little more uh, famous, but they're both just amazingly beautiful in psalm 90 this is a prayer of moses the man of god lord you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are god he just he just says you know even before there was anything there was you that's mind-bending right you return man to dust and you say return O children of man for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night and so, just understand, you know, where he's establishing that God is eternal and everlasting, and that God is also existing outside of time. You know, he's just he's laying groundwork, understanding that, you know, that God is omniscient and God is omnipotent. You know, it, you know, it's it's just he's just establishing the, the groundwork of how powerful he's omnipresent. You know, he is God, and so he says, uh, "You sweep them away." As with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. We are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all of our days pass away under your wrath. You, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble, and they are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? And so it's just on Moses' heart. Like, what's all this for? What's all this for? I get seventy, I get eighty years here on this planet. And then I return back to the dust again. But for you, a thousand years is, is, is but like a day or like a few hours in the middle of the night. And so what is my life that you would even think of me? And what is my life that I would even know what to do with it when it's so small in the big scheme of things? You know, and that's kind of overwhelming and it makes us feel tiny, which is, which is a beautiful thing to feel tiny. Sometimes we feel too big. We need to understand how small we are, um, you know, in comparison to how big and mighty, mighty and powerful God is. And then uh, Moses says, one of my favorite things here that's been blessing me for a long time. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That is just one of my favorite things. The Lord has ministered that to me so many times that a heart of wisdom is a heart that understands the brevity of life understanding that each minute is passing us by and we won't get it back what we have is what we have and wisdom is understanding not fearfully oh i'm closer to death i'm one step closer to death no it's cherishing it's it's wisely choosing how to spend each minute with your wife 
with your children, doing ministry, not wasting away time because you're not going to get any more of it back. And God's, God's made me and created me for a purpose. But if I'm lucky, I'm going to get out of here with about 80 years. So I better figure out what to do with these 80 years to where it makes a kingdom impact, right? He says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may, be, that we may rejoice and be glad in all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as, as we have seen evil. And, you know, he's just saying there, would you restore back to us good, the goodness of your presence and your glory in, in, in even greater measure than the, the evil that we've seen? And that's a great prayer to pray, actually, especially if you're a person that is coming at, just new into a relationship with Christ in the last few years. You may feel like you've got years and decades filled with evil and wasted time but God exists outside of time so it's a powerful prayer and one that I've prayed where it's just God would you just restore to me um, through through your treasury you know of glory could you give to me in return for everything that I missed out on would you would you make it to where I haven't missed anything because you're restoring everything good to me and you're giving me uh, the glory of your presence and you're and you're showing me your steadfast love and so just a powerful psalm and a powerful prayer let the favor of the lord our god be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us yes establish the work of our hands our life is short and yet lord we we ask that your glory would be with us and that you would satisfy us with your presence and that the work that we're doing would be established that it wouldn't be wasted that we wouldn't just go to work every day and make a paycheck and get a get a 401k and retire one day and be put in the ground and you know relatives for you know 20 or 30 years would come see our graves and then then after that our graves would just sit there and collect dust that's most people's lives isn't it isn't that sad go walk around the cemetery okay look at the dates on them if it's if they died earlier than you know 19 um you know maybe let's say 60 you know, there's really no one even going there to even visit them anymore. Their life is gone, and everyone, and no one is really remembering of them that well anymore. Yet, we have access to do things that can be established by God. Not that we'll necessarily be remembered by the people of the earth, but our, our, we will be sowing seeds that are in, in, impacting people for, for years and years to come. And that's what we should aim for. You know, I think about, you know, I... One of my favorite people ever is Billy Graham, you know, and I don't have time today because I've got to talk about Psalm 91 here in just a second. But, you know, someone sewed into Billy Graham. Isn't that amazing? Someone, someone exposed Billy Graham to the gospel and he had parents that did it and he had preachers that did it and he had Sunday school teachers that did it. And then he lived an incredible life, lived to be, I think, 100 years old and um, in which he sowed, I think, more seeds. You can, if you, you can say I'm wrong, I don't care, I, I, I think this, I think he sowed more seeds than maybe anyone of all time. Seriously, I really believe that. If you look at his life, it was incredible. I think he sowed more seeds of the gospel and scattered more seeds of the gospel than, than I think anyone ever did of all time. You know, personally, I'm not talking about, you know, like an, like an author, like Paul, you know, I mean personally able to sow. Millions and millions and millions of people in his lifetime. And you know, his work has been established because he's now gone to be with the Lord. Yet the work that he he set forth is still is still moving and working. My family went to the Billy Graham Crusade when I was seven years old, and it was at the Billy Graham Crusade when I was seven years old that my family got linked up with a local church, and 
really changed the course of my life because we got plugged into a local church where I got plugged into a local pastor to a man that sowed seeds into me and it, it set my it set my family ablaze for God and my family led me in Christ and you know I remember my mother walking me through the book of Romans and me asking Jesus to be my Lord and I remember my local pastor baptizing me you know and just you know all these different things that would come of my life and and it was a but it all really started with a seed sown there Billy Graham's long since gone but you're listening to a podcast by a man who was changed by seeds that he had sown isn't that amazing don't we want that from our lives more than we want more than we want headstones that collect dust don't we want to establish you know that that seeds could be sown I want that after I'm gone, if this world's still spinning, I want that, that after I'm gone that, that there would be kingdom impact from my children and my children's children and the people that had attended my church and the people listening to this podcast and the people that are going through seminary. And I, w- I want people to to be drawn closer to Christ through my life. That's what we should That's what we should ask for. Psalm 91, one of the most amazing psalms in the Bible. I've got about 45 seconds to talk about it today. <laughs> this is a psalm um, of promise and one that we should, I believe, memorize and meditate, mutter under our breath and, and keep close to our heart. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you no plague come near your tent for he will command his angels concern you to guard you in all your ways on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone you will tread on the lion and the adder the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot because he holds fast to me in love i will deliver him i will protect him because he knows my name when he calls to me i will answer him i will be with him in trouble i will rescue him and honor him with long life i will satisfy him and show him my salvation i don't know that i could have explained it better than than Moses did, so I just wanted to read it to you. But one thing that spoke out, spoke to me as I've got just a minute to say something is verse 11. I love the promise there. For those who trust in the Lord and those who dwell, okay, that means linger, and those who, who are living in the shelter of the Most High. You don't just pitch a tent up in the backyard from time to time. You live in His presence. You're dwelling in His presence. You're dwelling in His Word. You're dwelling in prayer. Those that have made the Most High their shelter, their refuge, their home, not their hotel, not their beach house, but their home. Those that do that, they've got these sort of promises that they cling to. And these are amazing promises. And one that spoke to me today was verse 11, that He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Isn't that incredible? That... The, the word promises that if the Most High is my shelter and my dwelling place, and He is, that that means that there are angels that I cannot even see that have been commissioned by the God of heaven to surround me and keep me and guard me in all my ways. And we can't see them often of the time, most of the time, but they are surrounding us. There, there could be an angel to my left and to my right right now 
one, one going with me as I leave today, one following you as you're going about your day today. That's a promise concerning us. That should give us a confidence to know that because He is the Most High and He is my shelter, that He has even commissioned soldiers and messengers of heaven's armies to come and surround me and look after me and watch over me and, and lead me and guide me. What an amazing promise that is.